In this week's episode, we're ranting about the ridiculousness that is Major X, share our thoughts on War of the Realms number one, and how the Joker movie doesn't really seem like a Joker movie. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hello, everybody! Good afternoon! Welcome back to Cover B. Or evening. Or evening. We don't know or when morning. you're listening to this. Or some sort of pocket dimension outside of time. Hell, we don't know when we posted this. <laughs> it could I don't be, know if this guy posted. It could be night. <laughs> I'm still just assuming all of this is just some sort of feverish dream I'm having in a hospital somewhere. Wake up, Chris. Chris, wake up. <laughs> oh, no. You're in a coma, Chris. Oh, no. So, okay, before we dive into comics we actually read, I want to start with a comic that came out this week, uh, and I want to just shit all over it. (laughs) So, Marvel has been hyping for, like, months the first new character by Rob Liefeld since anyone cared. Um, (laughs) And it's Major X, who looks like Judge Dreadpool. Um, Oh, Oh, that was smooth. <clears throat> yeah, right? So, this book is terrible. <laughs> oh, no. It's, okay, so, Rob Liefeld has his fans. Yes. And, you know, there, are, there are fans of the 90s. There are fans of, like, the Deadpool era and the Cable era. And everything had pouches and shoulder pads and feet were bad. And, <laughs> you know, I get it. And that's fine if you're a fan of that stuff. But, like, honestly, this is, like, embarrassingly bad in my opinion. Oh man. And it's, it's, so he's, he did the art and he wrote it and you know, he knows what he's in, you know, he's probably never going to listen to this, but if he does, I'm sure he's going to be pissed. Um, it's just bad. It's, it's so, so it's, you know how OJ Simpson wrote that like book (laughs) that if I did it, if I did it, is that what it was called? But it's highlighted with I did it to be like, if I, this is, this is Rob Liefeld's if I did it. This is like, if he was like a man in charge in the 90s, this is the comics we would have gotten. And um, I don't know what sort of like power or, you know, gumption he had in the 90s. But thank God, because this book. So first of all, Cable's outfit in this book looks like, you know, the like foam head things martial artists wear. It looks like that over his shoulders. Oh, no. So he's got like a foam sling bikini. Oh, Um, no. Judge Dreadpool, also known as Major <laughs> X, is literally like riding on a Tron bike at one point in the desert when he gets attacked by a beast who is now white with red stripes because that makes sense. What? And he goes back in time and it, he says things like, okay, so when he says things that have like an X word in them, uh-huh. so like extinction or exception or something, uh-huh. um, or anything that sounds like that, so like essential, and this was the part that got me. He puts they just write an X dash rest of the word. <laughs> so Shut at, up. at one point, did he do the lettering for this too? I don't know. I don't know what happened with it's. It's crazy. So, it yeah. At one point, he says the word essential, and it's X essential. <laughs> That's not English. It's so bad. But so okay. Here's the thing. Pick this book up. If you are a Liefeld fan, pick this book up if you're just a Deadpool or Cable fan, because they're both in it. Um, There is a big, there's character reveals. There is an actual Dreadpool who's like a bad 
Deadpool, who I'm predicting right now is going to turn out to be Cable, because it's essentially just like Deadpool wearing Cable's shoulder pads, is what Dreadpool looks like. And he's doing Cable's thing. He's like, I've traveled back in time to stop the anomaly, which is Cable's thing. Um, and it's got Wolverine in it. It's got X-Force in it. And it's crazy, because I, I just kind of flipped through it pretty quick. I didn't give it a lot of like time, uh, because I felt my lunch coming back. And... <laughs> <laughs> I felt woozy. I had to sit down. Um, Guys, it is shady in here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I don't know how this book hit shelves. I don't know why it's getting hyped. I was talking to a couple of comic book dealers and they were telling me that it went up to like 10 bucks online. It's at I least don't know why this is happening. Price. I, my mind is blown right now that this book is something anyone would be hyped about. The glory Again, of comics. If you're, you're, you can be a fan of whatever you want to be a fan of, but that doesn't mean I have to also be a fan of it. But, um, you know, so it's got Dreadpool in it. It's got first appearance of White Beast who spilled ketchup on himself. Um, it's got first appearance of, you know, Major X who turns out to be somebody's relative. Um, and, and yes, it's as, as goofy as but like, yeah, when you, when you read this book, it's like characters just, freaking fly out of nowhere and like you like flip a page and it's just like this splash page of wolverine like hovering in negative space saying bub a lot and it's like it's bizarre it's it's literally like someone shot rob liefeld up on heroin and made him watch like vh1 we love the 90s for 14 hours straight (laughs) and then they tied a tube sock around his eyes, hit him a few times, and gave him a pen. And they were like, go. Um, oh, my God. Storyboard, bitch. Oh, my God. So, anyway, Major X, pick it up. Like I said, if you're a Life Elf fan, pick it up if you want to just kind of giggle. Because <laughs> you just want to know. I hope it turns out, in the end, I hope it turns out there's a parody. I can't help but react to the fact that this is coming out after April Fool's Day. You know what I mean? Like, this is technically April Fool's Day comic week. Because uh, April Fool's was on Monday, and this is when, you know, Wednesday, April Fool's Day. I think you're um, too hopeful. I, I would just love for, you know, the distributor Diamond to just cancel all, so, like, all orders of later Major X and Marvel to come out and be like, got ya! Because <laughs> um, I, I don't know how anybody can take it seriously. I don't know if there's anybody sitting at home reading this being like, Oh my god, it's so good. Whoa. It's this is what comics has been missing. A guy who looks like he bought his Judge Dredd costume at one of those Halloween warehouses and it was listed like Constable Dreary. <laughs> oh my god, I know what I'm going against for Halloween. Constable Dreary. I am Delure. Anyway. Oh. So I wanted to open with that because it's been I'm bothering really me. I'm really glad it's that been that's bothering how we me. This. You guys were not expecting to come in with so much. I was at my just, shop today just, just watching people today, buy huh? like three, people buy two, people come in and be like, you got that major X? And I'm like, what is happening in the world? That would be like if Fifty Shades of Grey like put out a comic and everybody was like, Hey, y'all got that Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what, like, though? What is happening in the world? There's an audience for that. Yeah, like... <laughs> moms who need to go have back massage time. 
knock three times if mom has the sock on the door. Anyway, so what I actually read this week that I wanted to talk about, and it's really, I didn't have much come out that, it was a light week for DC and kind of in the realm of indies. And honestly, I I didn't read all of my poll this week because I've just been busy. Um, But I did read War of Realms. War of the Realms. Um, and I want to talk about it because it's, it's very prominent. It's the, so the first issue, not a whole lot of hap- happens. Right. Um, there's not a whole lot of setup or reveal, you know, there's not new characters. Jane Foster doesn't become Thor again, which better happen in this crossover. Oh my God. Um, but really cool stuff. And the one takeaway I got from it is something that I never really realized, but like, and I think I said this to you after I read it, you know, there are writers who are really good at writing certain characters. Like the Ed Brubaker run on uh, Captain America. Great. You know what I mean? Mark Millar did a great job doing Old Man Logan. Like there are writers, Grant Morrison's run on X-Men was generally really good, that just get the characters, write those characters really, really well. Kieran Gillen doing Angela. Yes. For you. He, you know what I mean? He like, understood yeah, those characters. They get the character. And for a long time, it's been Jason Aaron doing Thor. Yes. And, uh, you know, back in the day, Jonathan Hickman doing Fantastic Four. He just got those characters. It just and made sense. they handle the voice really, really well. And they're really good with that character. I have come to find Jason Aaron, because he's doing War of Realms, yep. is really good at just writing Marvel. You know what I mean? Like, he... Spider-Man jumps in and feels like Spider-Man and feels like a really good rendition of Spider-Man. And, like, Captain America pops in and does some badass Captain America stuff. Punisher pops in, does some badass Punisher stuff. Daredevil is there. And all these characters have their... And then all the Asgardians and Thor and Loki. All these characters have their own different tones and voices that come up in their comics. Yeah. And Jason Aaron just kind of gets those. So... I'm going to make a lofty statement based off of what you just said. Okay. Because I yeah. fully agree. What I think it is, and this this can be, you know, an opinion, whatever, but I firmly believe this. In my opinion and in my experience, authors who can write as guardian characters well... And understands the way to mm-hmm. write as guardian characters well. Yeah. Are just in general better writers. Yeah. Like if you think of any Thor or Angela or Valkyrie or mm-hmm. whatever book you've ever read that was done exceptionally well, it's because the author's just a good flipping author. Like, mm-hmm. and that carries over. Like if you think about it, Kieran writes everything. Like. And he has written everything. And he can voice whatever. He has, yeah, because he's like, done... He did Young Avengers, right? Yep. Didn't he do Young Avengers He does with Star Jamie Wars. McKelvey? He's done Darth Vader. He's done, he's done yeah. Angela. He's uh, done a variety. Done, didn't he do an X-Men run yep. for a while? Yep, he did. In, was it a... It wasn't astonishing. Was it Uncanny? Anyway. Yeah, it yeah, was Yeah, he did... It was around the AVX time, I remember He's that. done every type of indie book from, like, dramatic historical fiction to like Mm -hmm. literally pop stars like he can voice anyone because he's a good writer and jason aaron in my opinion is the same way he was able to bounce back and forth 
between Jane Foster modern and Jane Foster as mm. guardian where there's nuance to both and it was seamless and that's yeah. hard yeah. but he's also able to write as the other as guardians he is the best voice i've ever heard for um oh yeah he is the best voice for own yeah. and he's probably the best voice for freya it's just one of those things if you can write for as guardians it's it's that you're just a good writer yeah and it's like i just really enjoyed this was a good number one i do admittedly wish there was more reveal like something really enticing because the cliffhanger at the end leading into issue two was a little weak in my opinion it was just kind of like thor being thor yeah um so I would have liked more of a reveal, like, hey, this character is involved now, or this is a big thing to be worried about. Because it's like, what I love about it is that the pacing just, like, went. It was like, wartime, and then all the heroes were showing up, being badass. Nobody was really, like, taken off guard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Daredevil swoops in and does his thing, and Spider-Man's already swooping in, doing his thing. And, like, nobody was really like, ah, oh, I'm busy, please come back later. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, my biggest issue is just that it had all this, like, chaos, and then it was kind of a weak end to a first issue. Yeah. So, like, if I wasn't, if they hadn't, aggra I mean, they definitely grabbed me with the chaos and Jason Aaron just beautifully writing these voices and these personalities. Like, everyone feels like their own unique person. It feels like very Like, there's natural. not a lot of crossover of people. Like, even the quippy people, what I've always said is the most difficult thing is to make people who are quippy, quippy in different ways. Yep. And that that's tough. Yeah. From a writing standpoint, from an acting or directing standpoint, it's really hard to make characters who bring levity, bring that levity in different ways. Because dialogue is hard yeah. in general. And that's that's been the biggest, one of the, like, in my opinion, Marvel had like a short slump there in their movies because yeah. they were making everyone quip the same way. The, and then the Iron Man syndrome. It was, yeah, it was the Iron Man syndrome. And then, like, I think... It's hard to say. I would say probably Ragnarok was a... No, you know what? Spider-Man. I, I think Spider-Man I would say a combination of, of Spider-Man and Ant-Man. Yeah. Snapped them out of that. Yeah. And they were able to be like, okay, we can be funny and make jokes. Independently. In different tones. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's tough to do. It, it is, is very tough to make funny or sarcastic or jokey characters different in how they deliver yeah um and i mean comedians will tell you that like and if you watch like a bunch of stand-up you'll watch that you could laugh at every single one but they're all doing it in different ways well and it's exceptionally know? hard too for marvel because if you use the the comparison of stand-up comedians if you had four stand-up comedians go up on stage every single one of them appeals to a different specific audience. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be people in that audience that like aren't into them, but are in it for the guy who went second or whatever. Yeah. Marvel, every movie is essentially directed toward the exact same audience. So how do you bring humor that's different, but appeals to the same people? Yeah. And that's, that's crazy tough. But I think, you know, Jason Aaron is... This is a bold statement, but Jason Aaron is a Marvel writer for the ages. Like, Hell I think yeah. he just, he gets the characters, he gets their tone. He's writing the Avengers run right now, and it's excellent. Like, I, it's been a long time since I picked up an Avengers book, and I have read little snippets of a lot of the previous Avengers runs. Yeah. And the one 
that's currently going on, I picked up mainly just because it's a weird team and I've always been a fan of weird teams. <laughs> right. And uh, it's great. It is really good. Yeah. Um, and definitely worth checking out. It's only like, it's not even 20 issues deep, I think, if you guys are interested. But now I haven't read, I know you read War of Realms too. Yes. Um, I have not read, been keeping up with the Thor books. Yes. So as a Thor fan... What is your take on where War of Realms is going to be going? So, and again, you know, <laughs> obviously not much has been revealed in this first issue, but for the Thor fans out there, what do they have to look forward so to? So this to me felt um, exactly like what it should have been. This, this to me <laughs> felt like, hey, all you people who haven't actually been reading my book, Here's a fill-in. Yeah, yeah. Now you know what's going on. Because to me... Now you caught up. Yeah, now yeah. you know what's happening. Because to <clears throat> me, the real cliffhanger came at the end of the last issue of Thor. Because the last issue of Thor, which I believe came out last week, I didn't get around to being able to talk about it. But um, when it, it... The fun part of the end of that was that it hinted that Mjolnir, as I lovingly call him, Gamia... Gamia! There's a piece meow, of meow. there's a piece of meow, meow <laughs> that is coming back from the sun, mm-hmm. and the implication is that meow, meow is coming back because Jane Foster's in remission. Oh, that's awesome! Like literally, it's amazing. There's this scene in the book, and it's been out for a week or two, so I don't feel bad about spoilers. But um, there's a scene in the book where she goes into her doctor, and you can tell that she her hair's starting to grow back, and she's sitting, and she's talking, and he's like, actually, Jane, you know, we can't find any sign of the cancer. You're in remission. You can go off the chemo now. And literally at that second, there's a thunder crack, and the doctor's like, did you hear thunder? That's awesome. And at the end of the book, you see Thor. Thor's been trying to find... Mjolnir and been like basically boiling his eyeballs out of his head trying to find mm-hmm. it on the face Staring of the sun. Staring deep into the sun. Yeah. And he can't find it and finally he's like screw it I'm leaving I don't have time the worlds are about to you know explode and as he's leaving you see just this little blip oh, behind nice. him that he doesn't know that he doesn't notice because Milner's not his anymore. Yeah, yeah. He wants it. He wants it so bad. He wants to be worthy. Well, but sorry, Broham, you're not. That's it's not yours. Yeah, that's the thing is like, I, and you know, it helps that Jason Aaron's been writing the Avengers run too, because that has Thor on it. And he's been keeping up with Thor for a while now. Um, you know, what I think would be cool would be a good development of both characters. So Jane Foster and Odinson is like, if Mjolnir comes back, and goes right back to Jane because Jane's worthy and never really stopped being worthy. She no. literally sacrificed her ability to like fight her cancer so that she could save the denizens of Asgard. And the only reason she gave and... up the right to be Thor was to save everyone from the Mangog. Yeah, because she tossed Mangog in the sun. Yeah, um, with Mia Mia. <laughs> but yeah, so I think it would be cool if it came back. And because Thor, when he first lost the hammer went all Thor Brudison and was, you know, wearing the cape, rocking the axe and being like, I'm the unworthy Thor. And he was like really into speed metal. And it was just a weird time. One armed, really grumpy, probably drank a lot of monster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Drank a lot of monster in the morning. And then like a 
fudge ton of yingling in the evening that kind of <laughs> that kind of guy you know what i mean like he goes home and he probably like puts on like videos of that like big play he made in high school in asgardian <laughs> high school and he's like yeah you know cindy like without me asking offered to go to the prom with me after i made that catch and everyone's like okay dad um yeah you know so he had that period and then after the whole thing with mangog and asgard getting destroyed asgard proper um you know he got a piece of mjolnir he kind of got that hope back and he went out and became a hero again he got a sweet cool golden arm and he for all intents and purposes is still thor he uses hammers he flies around he beats the crap out of stuff he still has thundery powers yep. you know what i mean like yep. he is thor he just doesn't have his badass hammer so i think it'd be cool if it came back she got it they could have kind of a moment of like this is just you're still thor you are thor i am now bleh and yeah. she takes on a new moniker for the love of God, nothing like Lady Thor, please. But, you know what I mean? She's like, I am blank, something Thunder-based. Gets to be her own hero, not living in the shadow of what people expect Thor to be. But with all these Asgardian godlike powers, being a general badass. Because the cool thing about that is then we get to have Jane Foster being a freaking cool Asgardian god badass. And all the, like, jerk-off, like upper middle-aged and older white dudes that were pissed that she was thor to begin with get to shut the hell up <laughs> okay guys i agree that was yes i just had the most mind-boggling theory occur so it's been announced that jason aaron is going to be doing a valkyrie book after the war of the realms so i don't know if you guys know much about how valkyrie works right now but valkyrie is not an individual identity right now valkyrie is actually like a partial possession of a human girl right now she's part of the asgardians of the galaxy which is eventually being tied into the war of the realms she's just some like nerdy earth chick who like rolls around and then when she feels inspired or needs to like smash stuff valkyrie comes out and she essentially transforms into valkyrie they're mm. like sharing existence yeah which is cool what happens if smart nerdy chick doesn't make it through war of the realms and valkyrie needs another body to exist true yeah but if you know if jane gets mjolnir back then she'll have the like essence of thor in her you true. know what i mean so true and it, they've cool also idea. said too that um well so jason aaron was not ready to give up on lady thor and so he's hinted in past issues of thor when he talks when he brings in the three daughters of thor in the way future of odinson's three girls that are like awesome mm -hmm. they talk they, they actually came back in time and talked to lady thor at one point and there's this really cute sweet moment um but they have basically told her that what you've done isn't the end of what you do. Nice. So we know she comes back. We well, yeah, and they, they've set it up a ton with them, like, throwing Mjolnir into the sun and her not actually dying when it was, like, the death of Thor story arc. Like, 
she didn't die or the she, death of Jane Foster. Yeah, she did. And uh, yeah, <laughs> she got undead. <laughs> so, you know, it they've set up that it's probably going to happen again. And like I said, she never became unworthy. No, you know, she became more and worthy. Thor in his own right ever really became worthy. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm sure Jason Aaron, he's apparently been setting this up forever, so I'm sure... He, he has. This I'm has sure been a long time coming. stuff from, like, Thor, God of Thunder, and previous Thor series are all going to come into play. Probably, oh, yeah. Probably the whole God Killer arc is going to come back in. I know uh, the Venom tie-in is going to play heavily into, like, Null and all that shit, which hopefully sets up some Carnage stuff. I'm super excited. Anyway... <laughs> Um, so War of Realms number one is out. Check it out. There's a million covers. I got the Frank Cho cover. Uh, T, I believe, got the J. Scott Campbell cover. There's also oh, an boy. A.D. Granov cover. It's a, beautiful. Uh, Koi Pell cover. A Park cover, which is really good. There's a lot of really good covers There's here. There's a lot of you covers. You have a plethora. You can get the Greg Horn Van cover if you're into Van art. Um, and then there's going to be a million titles coming up, and I'm probably going to read every single one to keep you guys posted because this is supposed to be a huge event, and I want to hold Marvel to that, so I'm going to read every single one to see what kind of crazy shit happens. And I have been preparing for this since literally Lady Thor number one, <laughs> and that's been a lot of books, so I, I feel committed. Fair enough. I wanted to move on. Uh, I wanted to ask you, because I've been asking you every time a new one comes out, <laughs> Female Furies number three came out. So how's it going? <laughs> so if you guys remember, Female Furies 1 happened, and it was troubling. <laughs> and then Female Furies 2 happened, and it was kind of... Troubling. Still troubling. Um, so I've been talking to T every time a new one comes out and having her fill us in on when, when the payoff is gonna happen for Female Furies, or is whoever's writing this just really missing the mark on how to do a, like... Hey, ladies, it sucks to be objectified kind of book. Okay. Okay. So I was... I had really high hopes for this issue because the title of this issue was literally And Still She Persisted. <laughs> so it was like, hell yeah. yeah we correct. doing this Warren style. Oh, yeah. We going in and mm. and Aurelia's gonna like flip some tables yeah. and punch uh, Granny oh. in the... like pun it's gonna be great and i'm excited i'm excited for it i'm great okay that's not what happened <laughs> you're in there and it's starting to show off good and aurelie's like breaking free of mind control and she's gonna run away to earth and she's doing her thing and it's doing great and i'm you know what? I don't do this often because I don't believe in this. I think it's wrong. But spoiler alert. <gasps> okay? Aurelie doesn't make it off Apocalypse. She doesn't get to go to Earth and have her happily ever after. This woman who has been mistreated by her handler, this woman who has been raped <laughs> and violated mm -hmm. continuously by a man in a position of power, this woman who has been abused was then taken in by her abuser, forced to go back to her rapist, and then her rapist put magical burning boots on her and forced her to dance until she died. 
What the hell? What I've learned from this book, and I, I get it. I get it. This book's not about her. Uh-huh. Despite the fact that we have witnessed her essential demoralization and avid abuse, this book's not about her. This book's about Barda and how Barda meets Scott Free and falls in love and then they're gonna run away. What? I'm not... I'm not empowered, you guys. <laughs> like, I I get where the author's coming from. And the author's a woman, so, like, I know there's good intentions here. Like, I understand what's being implied. Mm -hmm. But as a woman, I see enough abuse every day of people I love and care about. Yeah. I have enough women in my life There's, who have been but... assaulted and abused and violated and put down. And mm -hmm. I don't need to see it in a book to then not have any type of happy yeah. ending. Hopefully there will be a payoff. Like... Bart is going to get out. I know what the payoff is. Bart is going to run away. And the whole message is that Bart learned a lesson that she should have believed Aureli. And now Bart is free and everything's great. It's a Bart yeah. origin story. Yeah. And it's not it's so enough. Bad. It's yeah. not enough. The un it, There's no reason to introduce a character to force her to go through this and then to have the result be that. Yeah. So it's, it's, like, the, it's like the ending of Mass Effect 3, right? It's like you did all this work and you really just wanted to like overcome this horrible adversary and like no matter what the payoff is it's not really good no <laughs> no you know what i mean you've already had to deal with so much shit that it's just not really good i think if i'm being honest i think the reason why it doesn't work is that the author, I read I read an article about her, how she, you know, was trying to, you know, do justice to Jack Kirby because these are Kirby characters. Mm -hmm. and she wanted to get that vibe, but she wanted to put her own spin on it. I don't think she put enough of her own spin. Yeah. It's too, it's too Kirby. I said it. I don't care. Come at me with your torches. That's <laughs> don't fine. Don't at me. Yeah, don't at me. But it, it's too Kirby. It's too consistent to that era mm -hmm. and it's trying to translate it for a modern audience and i get it i i swear to god i get what you're going for but you're not doing it right yeah to have to have a two-page feels... spread of this woman who was literally finally feeling freedom for a hot minute and felt so inspired that she danced to then use that one glimmer of hope that she had left in her life to slaughter her yeah that's rough. It's like watching, what's that guy's name that does the horrible movies that no one wants to watch because they're all, uh, like, miserable? Uh, Darren Aronofsky? No, the one that's worse. <laughs> uh, Zack Snyder? <laughs> Did you know Batman kills people? That's messed up. I don't know who you're talking about. It's, uh... The human centipede guy? <laughs> no, it's the guy...
guy who did the, um, the, like, I don't remember the name of the movies. There was one that was really gruesome with, uh, the guy who played the Green Goblin. Oh, Antichrist. Yeah. And then, like, Nymphomaniac 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that... Lars von Trier. That guy! Yeah. It feels like a Lars von Trier book. It just came to me. But, I mean, there's less, like, visualized yeah. gore. Well, but it's just... It's it's that level of disturbing where I'm like, just give me a freaking win! Give me a win! I deserve keeping, a win if I'm paying you money! Keeping to the theme of removing the glimmer of hope from a woman and making her dance until she dies, I'm going to keep making you read these because your commentary on it is compelling. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, you know. Um, I, I, but it sucks that it's so, like, gratuitously in your face. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing. It's it's one of those books where it's written by a woman and it's intended to be in an, a, like a feminist like like display and I I feel like I don't get it like I feel like I'm stupid like I'm yeah. reading this book and I'm so offended by it and I'm so like, like waiting other, for the catch other women somewhere that are like yeah I feel so empowered yes like I'm what am I missing how why am I so her. stupid that yeah. I am only seeing this for the bleak gory depressing narrative with no payoff like maybe I'm just a like maybe I'm just one of those entitled people that thinks that at the end of my superhero book, the good guy should have at least a win. Yeah, I mean, we read, we read, you know, these sorts of fiction because they fill us with hope. You know what I mean? And while there are plenty of bleak comics, you know, if you're telling a story of abuse or bullying or, you know, discrimination or prejudice, like, it's good to have some sort of hope element. And it, it's hard to do that if your hope element is literally like, well, at least this person got out. Yeah. And you know? it's, it's so interesting because it's a great comparison to, I'm also reading Chelsea Kane's Maneaters, which is another blatantly in-your-face feminist, like, you know, production. Because <laughs> I call it a production because she is all over the map. Also known as Josie and the pms Cats. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> That book, that was good. Thank you. That was, I'll give you props for I'm that one. I'm proud of that one. That was good. That book is super in your face and blatant and obvious and filled with satire and tongue-in-cheek behavior. But it's also, like, the most recent issue was so strongly, hey, look, it's not what you thought. Things are better than expected. Yeah. And... And I'm telling you, like I said, every woman I know either is or knows a woman who had a Me Too moment. Mm -hmm. I don't need to read a DC comic book about superheroes and watch a woman get slaughtered by a rapist. Yeah. There. I said it. Yeah. Well, there... <laughs> terrible. I should say this. <laughs> Well, now uh, you have yeah, to. Yeah, no, I have to. I was going to... So the joke that popped up in my mind <laughs> mm -mm. that I already regret. Uh-oh. So I heard this summer that they're going to do a Superman crossover with that Casey Anthony girl. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. 
Superman uses his x-ray vision to see what's in the back of her trunk. Um, oh, God. Oh. <laughs> anywho. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's female furies. Guys, I... If... Tell me, readers, if you're reading Female Furies and I'm a moron and I'm missing the point, please tell me the point. Yeah, enlighten I us. Want, I, Let's I, have a discussion. I yeah. want to know. I want to know what I'm missing. I want to know what I should be seeing that I'm not. Fair enough. And I'm, I'm sorry for that joke. <laughs> We're all sorry for that joke. Uh, everyone is. Everyone in the world. <laughs> every single living being in the world and like... 40% of the cow population all just got a pang of shame. <laughs> Everyone's groaning and they don't know why. Yeah, they're all just like, like they're in the bathroom just like, oh, hmm, I'm groaning more than normal. <laughs> that was weird. At least hmm. this is appropriate context. Yeah, anyway. And now, your Cover Bee News with your hosts, Chris and T. News time! And we're going to keep the news kind of brief because our first segment was pretty long. So I'm going to open with talking about probably the biggest bit, which is the Joker trailer that just launched. Um, Now, here's my thing about it. I watched it. It was a good trailer. I'm interested in seeing the movie. But do I think it was a good DC supervillain? Like, it looks like a good DC supervillain movie? No, not really. Do I think it looks like an excellent kind of art house, like thriller suspense drama? Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited for it for that. It looks like an A7 or Blumhouse production, you know what I mean? Yeah. It looks like something Lionsgate would, you know, fall behind and then rebrand and probably ruin. Anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) it looks good. It looks really artfully done uh the you know actors have been coming out talking about how it's a nice like uh portrait of someone dealing with mental health but you know just for whatever reason and this has been how it's been since we've been seeing production stills i just can't connect it with dc comics i just can't i can't my brain is physically incapable of being like that's the joker that's the like he he come on bats kind of joker you know what i mean like that um it just doesn't it doesn't click no it you know to me the video the trailer the whole movie looks to me like like one of those things they did with the paranormal activity movies where they bought the plot to another movie and then just sort of like shoved it in the franchise Mm -hmm. like because this doesn't Nothing about his character feels like the Joker to me. Like, one thing that's very particular for me, and my favorite Joker, I love Heath Ledger's Joker, don't get me wrong, but my favorite Joker of all time will always be Mark Hamill's. Yeah. And the reason for that is because Mark Hamill's Joker is this weird amalgamation of both completely twisted but also captivatingly charismatic. Shockingly charming yes, at times. Because yeah, yeah. that's what psycho that's what sociopaths are. Mm-hmm. They they are manipulative and they are charming and they are charismatic and they are 
so clever and so capable of sucking you into their yeah. emotions. They're empathetic to a fault. That's that's why the Heath Ledger Joker works yeah. so well. Like, the only thing that really makes him a freak is that he's got these freakish scars on his face. But when he, like, makeups up, like, he was able to get a bunch of obviously well-trained thugs and criminals in that opening bank sequence in on his plan without ever having met him. Yeah. Because there's no way they would have known, you know, like they would have fallen for like killing each other off. Like he was able to set that up. That takes like charisma and charm and being able to sell shit. And, and knowing how you know, to how to manipulate people and how to put yeah. people against each other. Like that's that's why I love the Mark Hamill one be too, because he's he's so coy and that's why in the Batman animated series, they were able to bring in Harley Quinn in the identity was because it is totally believable that Mark Hamill's Joker would have been able to seduce the pants off of a well-to-do, professionally trained psychologist who met this man, was trying to treat him, and fell madly in love with him because he was able to use her empathy against her mm -hmm. and completely degrade her sense of morality. Yeah, like, entirely. Like, he ruined her. Yeah. And then continued to abuse her for full-on Stockholm Syndrome for years. And it's, it's, there's nothing in Joaquin Phoenix's Joker that says that to me. Yeah. He just seems like another, I was picked on, I'm going crazy, and now I, I'm crazy. Yeah, like, I think the unfortunate thing is that I think most people I've talked to, and most fans of Joker, and part of what makes Joker intimidating in its own way is that there's not really a good origin for Joker. And we don't really want one. You know what I mean? Like, we have origins for everybody. We know where everybody's going. And, you know, some bad guys are sympathetic. Some are just downright crazy. Like, you've got your Eddie Brocks versus your Cletus Cassidy's. You know what right. I mean? And, but it's rare to have somebody where we're all just kind of collectively okay being like, we don't know where he comes from, and that's intimidating. You know? We're not, like, digging for the answers to this. And so I think it's already kind of harsh in that way and then they're building it very sympathetic if you've watched the trailer if you haven't go watch it um but if you've watched the trailer then you've seen that you know he's constantly getting picked on for you know trying to i'm just trying to bring smiles to people's faces and he's dressed up like a clown spy like sign spinning and people like bash his sign over his face and he like lives with his mom so they're building it to be like a very sympathetic character but uh i don't know if it needs to be that way Again, I love the look of this movie. Agreed. And that's what's so complex for me is that I feel like it being tied to the Joker hurts it in a way. I agree. I think it would have done well as like, like I think about Brightburn, which is coming out from James Gunn. And, you know, he's producing it. And I think his brothers like either wrote it or directing it. Anyway, um, Brightburn, obviously superhero, like Superman fanfic. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's obviously Superman. He's got, like, laser eyes, and he flies, and he came down in a spaceship and landed by a farm. You know, a red cape. Yeah, it's freaking Superman. We all get it. And everyone's okay with it because it's a retelling of the character without, like, using that character to hold it down. And it looks great. I haven't seen it yet, obviously. It's not out. So I don't know. It could be terrible. But it looks good. And I think this movie 
would have been better telling the story of kind of a Joker-esque madman serial killer, his origin, without actually being... The Joker. Joker. You know what I mean? Like, have it be its own thing. With that kind of inspiration, I think it would have been a lot easier to swallow for a lot of people. I agree. And I, I think, you know... Part of the reason, I think part of the reason why I'm a little disappointed is because when I saw the way they were depicting it from like stills and stuff, I kind of had hopes that they were going to go not full origin story, but maybe even a little White Knight on it. Mm -hmm. Because part of the reason why White Knight worked so well is because it was the story of Joker after Joker was trying to not be Joker. Because it's Jack Napier being like, hey, I was sick. I am on, I have medication now. I'm okay now. Let's, let's make Gotham better. And part of what's so cool about White Knight is that the origin of Joker isn't really explained. Like, even Jack doesn't totally know how Joker became. It's almost like this entirely separate identity, which continues on with that, like, mysterious illusion of what do we do if he comes back? What mm -hmm. happens if the medicine doesn't work? Yeah. yeah. And it's... It's so intriguing to me. And that's why I was really hopeful. I was like, man, they could really go the Jack Napier route with this. Mm -hmm. And it would be really cool. And I think Joaquin Phoenix could really yeah, play that. His outfits all in the like production stills felt very Jack Napier. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now it's it's not like that at all. I guess I was kind of hoping it would play out more like the Brian Azzarello Joker graphic novel. Which has, it's basically from the perspective of, I think his name's like Johnny Frost. Of, uh, like, a Joker thug who, okay. like, gets Joker out of Arkham and then, like, parades around town doing Jokery shit with Joker. Huh. Um, and I, I kind of thought it was going to be that. Like, I was hoping... And, it, again, I, I tend to make, like, weird theories about what I think stuff's going to be. And then I don't really get disappointed when it's not the case because it's rare that that ever happens. But, um, you know, I was hoping it would be either, like, he's already kind of doing the Jokery shit and it's told from the people in his life in that perspective right or there's like a white knight element like he has this history of being the joker and they think he's cured and now he's out yeah and you know it's people interacting with him as he like slowly falls back down into or like it's revealed in the end like haha i've been pulling strings and i've been the joker the whole time and you thought that i was just like giving into temptation but i gave into temptation right when i left arkham um, or even have it be like, he just got splooshed in the goo, you know? Yeah. So like, he was Red Hood fighting Batman, and then he gets knocked into Ace Chemicals yep. and turns into the Joker. We don't know who the Red Hood guy was before he fell into those chemicals. Um, you know, and have him, it be him coming out of that and starting to get his legs. Yeah. His, so going from like, weird, creepy, kind of clown looking serial killer to like mob boss essentially who like, is also yeah. a serial killer like that kind of thing um but again i don't know and the internet's blowing up about it they love it it does look beautiful it does look like a really it's gonna be a good it's movie. gonna be a dark romp and i'm pumped for that but i'm just i think the biggest the only hang-up i have is that i'm just gonna have a hard time connecting it to like this is the Joker. Yeah. And that's not necessarily bad. Like, I get it. It's a different take on the character. But it's just like, you know, it would be like... Because it's just such a classic character. It would be like doing a retelling of Gone with the Wind. But, like, super changing everyone's character. Like, making Rhett Butler, like, 
very sympathetic and emotional. Scarlet's and not a brat. Scarlet, yeah, is like a war vet badass. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it's, it's like, you know, I I would watch that probably if it, you know i would watch it's not gone with the wind. i would watch essentially <laughs> the same gone with the wind story with everyone's thing but if you called it gone with the wind and kept all their character names then you're just judging them against what people accept of the character yeah and it's just that's tough it's a tough connection to make yeah I so agree. um real quick some other news just like movie and just Real fast stuff. Cause, Spitfire. Uh, so Angelina Jolie is in talks to be in the Eternals movie. Yes. Um, what we know in the past, uh, especially recently, is that when big name celebs go in talks, in air quotes, uh, with Marvel, they usually leave with one of those big cardboard checks and then they're in that movie. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it goes. Uh, <laughs> I hearken back to the days when it would be like, yeah, this actress was seen going into the Marvel office and then like nothing would come out of it. And now Marvel is where it's at today. And it's like, once they're in talks, they're totally going to do it. Like, come on, why, why wouldn't yeah. you? Um, a lot of people are saying she's probably going to play Cersei. I don't know much about the Eternals. Mm. Um, I'm going to read up on them before this movie comes out, but it's cool. Uh, Cersei is like an oddly, you know, and Angelina Jolie's still a good looking chick, but like, it seems like a young role. I Again, I don't know much about the Eternals, so she may be like the matriarch of That's the Eternals. True. But I just figured getting like an quote-unquote older actress, you'd want to do her in like a more bold, femme fatale type role. But I looked up Cersei, and she's got some cool powers. She feels very Maleficent, so that's kind of oh, cool. Well, that makes sense. Um, that's kind of neato. Another cool thing about that movie, they're currently saying that the male lead who is also going to be the first openly gay superhero for Marvel on the big screen, is going to be Hercules. Nice. So that should be cool. That is really dope. There are a lot of really awesome gay actors in Hollywood that have all done superhero stuff, and literally any of them would be dope. <laughs> um, just a couple of release dates that have been revealed. So New Mutants is still headed to theaters. Disney has confirmed that it's not going to get a streaming release. It's going to be hitting theaters. New Mutants movie is going to be in theaters August 2nd. Uh, May 31st, Swamp Thing is finally making its premiere uh, after being teased earlier in the year or towards the end of last year. I don't remember. Um, on the DC Universe streaming service, May 31st. Nice. Nice. Um, some number stuff. Uh, Captain Marvel was awesome and broke $1 billion. So that's dope. Um, she's killing it, man. She's killing it. Mm -hmm. Props to her. That's awesome. And she persisted. Uh, <laughs> and then Avengers Endgame is literally breaking the internet <laughs> um it broke the record for the most pre-sales in a 24-hour period of time in the first six hours of launch it has gotten to the point where scalpers are trying to sell tickets on like ebay for thousands of dollars jesus it's insane that if you haven't nuts. gotten your tickets yet get them do it now, because if you don't, you won't be seeing it until two weeks later, and everybody's going to have spoiled it for you. Yep. 
And then a couple real quick uh, Black Widow movie casting newses. Ooh. Um, just because I feel like we're always talking about Black Widow movie. <laughs> David Harbour, uh, also known as Hellboy oh, and snap. the Stranger Things Sheriff, uh, is going to be in the movie. Nice. I don't think he has a role yet. And then also, big air quotes in talks, is Rachel Weisz. Uh, Evie from the Mummy movies and recently in The Favorite. Do we so. think she's going to be the role that was initially talked for Emma? I don't know. Because that changes everything. I don't know if me. Emma Watson... <laughs> like, I don't know if Emma Watson's not in it. I anyway. Y'all, I love Rachel Weisz. Like, I love her. She's amazing. She's badass. Yeah. That could so, be... So, hopefully, hopefully both of those people... I think David Harbour is definitely in it. Um, and then Rachel Weisz is in talks, quote-unquote. So Marvel's literally we'll just going to usurp anybody that's left in Hollywood. Yeah, They're like, much. oh, you're not, in a, you're not in a Superman or superhero movie? Mm-hmm. Get in here. Get in here. Get in the door. <laughs> I like it. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode. Yes, we are done. I know. Where's our third segment? <gasps> Shock. Well, let us explain. Scandal. So we are changing things a little bit for specific episodes, particularly ones where we do movie reviews. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is twofold. One, it really benefits you because maybe you haven't seen the movie yet and Mm -hmm. you don't want spoilers. Maybe you don't like listening to us for this long of a period of time. Maybe you want so much more of us that you want two episodes in a week. Well, this answers all your problems. And then on our end, it helps us not have to rush any segments in the episode because we know we're going to want to talk a good bit about uh, the movie, so we don't want to have to rush the news or rush the comic books in order to have time for that movie. And it also keeps us from having to, like, go out and see the movie on Thursday and then do an episode real quick and then edit it and... You know, we it keeps like it from to being sleep. A We're people. So we are going to. You'll have this episode in its two-part glory Woo-hoo. on Friday, and then on Saturday, keep an eye out for our episode. We'll have probably a hip name for it by then, um, or we won't. We're, in regards to the newest Captain Marvel movie by DC. Don't confuse people, okay? <laughs> it's it's Shazam. It's the Shazam movie. Also, we... why would you ever call it anything other than Shazam? Shazam! I just love the ability to say that. Anyway. I've been using it in normal language. <laughs> so keep an eye out for that. Uh, for those of you listening, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. You can catch up with T&I on various online means. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram. Yep. We both have handles. True dad. And anywhere that you listen and want to subscribe or add us to your regular podcast feed, you can find all of our available links at CoverBeePodcast.com. So Shazam episode coming out on Saturday. Uh, but otherwise, until the next episode of Cover Beat, we will catch you guys on the flip side. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys.